Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all of your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Maggie Loney, and I am joined by one of my co-hosts this week, Andrew Mertig. We are back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, how are you doing on this fine day? Yeah, doing really great. I, You know, this week we, we got the news that Green Bay is going to be hosting the draft in 2025, but that's been sort of talked into the ground <laughs> uh, or talked into the infrastructure, if you will. But, uh, you know, it's it's exciting because I know this is the part of the offseason where you could be tempted to tune out a little bit. But we have been doing the series uh, stretching back, I think, three or four years where we preview every single team on the Packers schedule. And that's something that gets me really excited um, where we can, you know, focus not just on what the Packers did this offseason, which is, of course, very important. But what the rivals did and, you know, the Packers play six games against the division rivals every year. And so we thought it'd be worth our time to put in one specific show for each of the three NFC North teams and then put them under the microscope a little bit. Talk about who they've added in free agency, who they lost in free agency, who they drafted, and then discuss whether or not they got better or worse during the offseason. So, you know, of course, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive into the Bears and Vikings. And then going even a little further than that, we'll be looking at the rest of the schedule. But today we're starting this conversation with the maybe favorites <laughs> of, of the division, the Detroit Lions. Uh, so kicking that off with, Changes in coaching, which I assigned to myself because this one should be pretty easy. Not much change. Uh, Dan Campbell does return for his third season as head coach. They did manage to retain highly sought-after offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, who maybe isn't quite ready for head coaching gigs, but is definitely already on uh, that sort of national level where he will be a hot candidate this upcoming season if the Lions have another good year. Aaron Glenn 
also returns as the defensive coordinator. And really, like, all throughout their staff, not a ton of changes, but a couple of veteran coach additions. John Fox, I probably remember him as the Panthers head coach or the Broncos head coach, uh, but floating around the league for a long time. He does come in as a senior defensive assistant. And then Jim Hassler as a senior offensive assistant. Hostler's been in the NFL coaching since 2000. He actually was the 49ers offensive coordinator at one point. So definitely adding a lot of experience there, albeit in roles that people may not pay super close attention to. It's probably just like me showing my age, but right when you said John Fox, I just thought of when he was the Bears head coach. And I think it shows how much he's bounced around the league too, right? Like Panthers, Broncos. And I'm, my mind is like, oh, Bears, duh, like to me, but. Definitely didn't forget that was a thing. <laughs> I think uh, Bears fans want to forget that was a thing too. But I don't really have a ton to add, I guess, about the coaching. But I do want to say that I think kind of what's most significant is just the, the culture that Dan Campbell has created, that feels kind of like the biggest change, I think, as far as the organization is concerned. And regardless of who the free agent additions were, the subtractions, the draft picks, players are all in. Like, they are buying into what Dan Campbell is selling. And the Lions aren't the joke of the NFC anymore. And this isn't like the Matt Patricia Lions from 2020. And I know it's been a few years coming, obviously. You said it's his third season as a head coach. This is where the rubber really meets the road here, and we find out who the Lions are. But I think what Campbell is at least building has the potential to be really special in an open NFC North. And that's about as much credit as I'm willing to give the Lions right now. So segueing here to free agency additions, they brought in corners Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley. Running back David Montgomery, uh, safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Johnson, uh, wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr., and then uh, guard Graham Glasgow, most recently with Denver. So, Andrew, what were some of your thoughts on the free agency additions for the Lions? Yeah, I think there there's definitely some impact players there. The the team really wanted to focus on the secondary and improving that and added a couple of what I would consider underrated cornerbacks in Mosley and Sutton. And then a player in Gardner Johnson who has developed a reputation as one of the best slots in the league. Whether that's deserved or not might be up for debate, but certainly that's a, a secondary that they are going to look to to be much improved. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, I really like what they did here in free agency. I think the uh, Garner-Johnson signing is probably the biggest impact, maybe, but that entire secondary did get a much-needed overhaul after the last couple of years, and kind of fun for Marvin Jones Jr. Had his best seasons as a pro in Detroit, so kind of fun homecoming for him where he'll get to be a vet in a nice wide receiver room and potentially end his career there. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because the Lions lost Marvin Jones Jr., brought in DJ Chark. Chark never really quite worked out. And then they get the opportunity to bring Jones back as Chark is is walking out the door. So, um, you know, hoping to, to reunite some of that magic that he had in Detroit. And he certainly was a thorn in the Packers side uh, during his tenure as a Lion. Uh, going on to re-signings, this list is not very impressive. Uh, linebacker Alex Anzalone probably headlines the list, and that should tell you something. Uh, they also brought back safety C.J. Moore, quarterback Nate Sudfeld, kicker Michael Badgley, and tackle Matt Nelson. Not a lot of note. Uh, Anzalone did have a really nice year. Uh, after being kind of consistently a running joke between Kyle and I of how he was always a key matchup uh, because he was constantly being abused by the likes of Aaron Jones. But a really nice season by Anzalone, so we'll see if he can build on that. 
Yeah, like you said, nothing really like jumping off the page here as far as players that the Lions were able to retain. Um, some of their free agency losses, you've got corner Mike Hughes went to the Falcons. You mentioned already DJ Chark going to Carolina. Uh, safety Deshaun Elliott went to Miami. Jamal Williams went to the Saints. Um, Amani Orowarie went to the Giants. Uh, guard Evan Brown is a Seahawk. And defensive end Austin Bryant went to San Fran. They also traded Jeff Akuda to the Falcons and traded DeAndre Swift to the Lions. So I think kind of holistically here, the, the maybe strangest move um, was just when the Lions moved on from Jamal Williams after he broke the Barry Sanders touchdown record. Um, but, I mean, it made sense. You know, the addition of Montgomery, obviously, and then the foreshadowing, the drafting of Gibbs. You could tell that Williams just didn't really fit into their long-term plans in that backfield. Yeah, so this is an interesting one, and and I might want to get your thought on this, just just because this is something that that stuck out to me when evaluating the Lions roster, and you and Kyle and I talk about roster building all the time, and sort of the strategy that goes into it, and if you're the Detroit Lions, last year you had DeAndre Swift, and you had Jamal Williams, and they ended up being a pretty good running back duo, right? At least really productive. Maybe they weren't as efficient as you would like out of your running back room, and that's what Detroit was looking to upgrade. And you can you can see a, a very easy path forward where Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are a upgrade from those two, if not a significant upgrade. But what did you do to do that, right? You basically gave DeAndre Swift away. Like, you got a yeah. day three pick from the Eagles. And then you you let uh, Jamal Williams walk in free agency. So you might get a comp pick for him next year. And you, you used the 12th pick in the draft on Jameer Gibbs. And, you know, granted, maybe not the biggest contract in the world for David Montgomery, but for a running back, kind of a, a high... Uh, usage of salary cap room. And so it's just interesting to me, the premium assets that you use to make an upgrade at a position that always seems very upgradable later on in the draft. So I don't know if, if, if that caught your attention at all. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it kind of feels like a changing of the guard almost where, you know, Deandre Swift, he was a second round selection TJ Hawkinson was a first rounder. Jeff Akuda was a first rounder. And these are all not Dan Campbell guys. So I don't know if, you know, the logic here was like, hey, let's go out and get our own guys and, you know, players that we feel more strongly about with the new kind of coaching staff. But it, it was interesting to see, you know, the the value of the, the players that they've drafted so highly and coveted. Um, especially for where they were drafted. And then the return on investment, like you said, Jamal Williams was a really easy find as a fourth round pick. Obviously we know that from the Packers being the team that drafted him, but yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that yes, you've acquired some new assets, but the, the cost of what you gave up, you know, from players that you drafted really highly, I don't know what the, what the return on investment is there, unless they of course turn out to be a powerhouse tandem and then who cares? Yeah, and you know, not not that it's as easy as assigning a number value. Like this isn't Madden, but let's just pretend the Lions go from like a six out of ten at running back to an eight out of ten at running back. This is not the most impactful position on the roster in the NFL, as we know. And so what you've given up to go from 
point A to point B there just doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at roster building and who you could have had at number 12 in the draft. Um, Not to mention the fact that they traded down from six to get there. Um, And, you know, we we talked about last week, if if they wanted a running back and they wanted to see a huge jump, Bijan Robinson was sitting there staring him in the face at pick six. But, um, you know, I think overall what you mentioned, the free agent losses, maybe not that big of a deal, but it does eat away at the depth of this team. And that is always something that you want to be concerned about, um, especially, you know, in an NFL, uh, in, in a league where you can have your season slip away from you very quickly if you have a couple of injuries that you were anticipating. So I know we jumped, or, or we dove into the draft class last week, but just to recap of who the Lions came away with, at pick 12 after a trade down, they did end up drafting running back Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Their own pick in the first round, pick 18, they drafted linebacker Jack Campbell from Iowa. In the second round, they got another Iowa prospect, tight end Sam Laporta. Their second second round pick, they ended up with defensive back Brian Branch out of Alabama. In the third, they had two picks again. First one was Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee, and then defensive tackle Broderick Martin from Western Kentucky. In the fifth, they took Colby Sorsdahl, the offense tackle from William & Mary, who we're all very familiar with. And then in the seventh round, at pick 219, they get wide receiver Antoine Green out of North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on our NFC North uh, draft recap show last week, but this was a solid draft for a team that didn't really have too many glaring holes to fill. You kind of said it already. You know, yes, they were missing a lot of that depth, but they did a good job replenishing some of that that depth with this draft class. You know, they grab a serviceable backup quarterback who they, you know, might like enough to be the quarterback of the future if the Lions, you know, really covet him. But a third round investment is not that significant when you're thinking about you know, whether or not he could be the guy starting tight end and a running back to elevate this offense, stud middle linebacker to go up against some really talented running backs across the NFC North, and then a do-it-all safety, you know, nickel kind of kind of DB slot prospect. So I liked the the draft class. I didn't think it was anything that, like, jumped off the page at you, but I do think it was a nice, nice holistic draft for a team, like we said, that didn't have too many glaring holes going into this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. 
Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the changes to the roster. And so then we wanted to take a step back and look at how this team, at least in May, uh, looks <laughs> to, to potentially be lining up. So going through the offense first, certainly a quarterback, you're expecting Jarrett Goff to be the starter with Hendon Hooker as uh, potentially backup. Uh, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery at running back, as we talked about a whole bunch. Uh, at wide receiver, they have Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Marvin Jones Jr. And then Jameson Williams, who is going to be suspended for the first part of the season as well. Somebody who I know they have really high expectations of. Uh, some depth there, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy. At tight end, you have Brock Wright and James Mitchell returning. But then, of course, Sam Laporta. And how does he fit in there as a rookie? Jason Kapinda is the fullback. And then across the offensive line, this is a really strong unit. Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, uh, potentially big Big V, Vitae, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name, <laughs> and then Penny Sewell at right tackle. The depth there is a little questionable. Logan Stenberg has a little bit of experience. Graham Glasgow, as you mentioned, a free agent acquisition, Matt Nelson coming back, but not a lot of like depth to speak of there. So thoughts on the offense overall? Yeah, I mean, I think I want to say it's an, like a net neutral maybe net positive when you think about the jump that you're hoping that this offense can make. Sam Laporta, I think, is going to be really fun. um, We'll talk about it a little bit later is when we do our uh, did this team get better or worse. But I think a lot of this is going to be contingent upon uh, Jared Goff. I think the pieces are there now, but will he be able to make this offense work? Yeah, you you see a lot of possibilities. And I've mentioned this now three weeks in a row. The Lions are a dangerous team in a lot of ways. They, that could be going up and going down. And I keep talking about the Browns from a few years ago. But now that has kind of gotten stuck in my head and really resonating. Like, this is a team with a few injuries could be really bad. And this is a team with health and, and improvements in the right area could be really, really good. And I don't know. Like, I, I'm not I'm not sure that this offense has changed enough to make me think that there, there's a whole bunch of uh, promise going forward. But uh, we'll move on to the defense. And then across the defensive line, of course, you have Star in the making, Aiden Hutchinson on the edge, Romeo Quara, uh, some good depth there. James Houston, who had a nice rookie year, John Kaminsky, Charles Harris, Julian Aquara, uh, a ton of depth at edge. And then some some good depth on the interior of that defensive line. And Lee McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, uh, Levi Anwarzike, uh, the new draft pick Broderick Martin. Uh, so some some good uh, stout 
play across the the line with a couple of stars in the making. At linebacker, you mentioned the rookie Jack Campbell, and he fits into a room with Malcolm Rodriguez and Alex Anzalone uh, when they're in base 4-3. I would expect those three players to be on the field. And then they have some depth there as well. Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Derek Barnes. uh, And then the secondary, where I think we're... The Detroit fans are really looking to see a big jump. Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley come in as free agent acquisitions. They're instantly their starting duo uh, in in the safety room. They have Kirby Joseph and Tracy Walker. And then you have some really, really interesting depth pieces there. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, of course, slot corner extraordinaire, can play a little safety. Brian Branch is kind of the perfect understudy to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, and, and a few uh, depth players there that you've heard of before, too. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't want to talk about Afitu Melifanu, or was Kyle the one that loved him so much? I no, I, I, think we both lo- I think we both loved him, but I'm, I'm trying to uh, forget uh, how good I thought Ify was going to be and, and uh, maybe <laughs> the start to his career that uh, hasn't been quite as promising as that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair. I think the biggest hole or question mark for me on this roster right now, as it stands, is the defensive line. And I know you mentioned there are some nice depth pieces. A lot of it is unproven. I think you can make the same case for the Packers' depth, right? You know, there's a lot of young guys that should have ascending trajectories, but not a lot of play experience. So I thought it was interesting to kind of, you know, once we've been able to to debrief the draft and see what actually transpired in our listener mock pre-draft about a month ago at this point, um, the person picking for the Lions grabbed two defensive linemen with their first round picks. So I thought that that was, you know, just an interesting case study, right? And what fans perceive the needs of teams are um, versus what actually happened. So I agree with your earlier assessment. I think the secondary definitely got a lot better. But if this front isn't able to generate a ton of pressure or if the depth isn't or I should say the starters go down and the depth is a lot of unproven talent, then, you know, it's kind of hard to cover regardless when you're not getting any pressure. So Outside of Aiden Hutchinson, I think some question marks there, but it doesn't really matter how good that secondary is going to be if if this defense can't generate a ton of pressure up front. And it's funny you mention that because there are a lot of players on the Lions defensive line that I think I would like to have, mm-hmm. but maybe aren't love to have kind of players, right? Like yeah. Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. of course, ascending star. Um, but we've seen this with the Packers where you have Kenny Clark and then everybody else is just kind of a promising guy <laughs> and they, if, if they never live up to their potential, it doesn't do you any good to have one good player. Cause it's way too easy for NFL offensive lines to just take away that one player. Um, if there's nobody else that's going to threaten them. So now we move into the portion of the show where we asked did the lions get better or worse. And this was a complicated one for me. I, I do think their defense got better. The secondary seemed to have improved significantly, at least on paper, and that linebacking core should be a step up with Jack Campbell, though I do think Malcolm Rodriguez and Alex Anzalone are not particularly good players, so um, it's still better than what they had last year. I think the offense is due for some regression. They way overachieved last year. Their offensive line is really good, maybe even one of the best in the league, but they don't have much depth there. And and where did they actually improve, right? Like running back, we talked about, sure, but you know, how much better are they actually going to be and how much of an impact does that make? And then you get more expensive, but like, did you actually get better? We don't know until you see it on the field. And the offensive line obviously has a lot to do with that. I'm not sure that like 
wide receiver is markedly better. Maybe if Williams wasn't suspended, you could say that, but um, that that's a big question mark. And I do think like overall their offense probably takes a step back and the defense takes a step forward. And then like, what does that make you? I think there's still a team that based on some end of game situations, maybe a seven and 10 team, maybe they're a 10 and 17, maybe they fall somewhere in that range. I just don't see like this huge jump to like a 12 and five team. Like a lot of people in the national media are forecasting. Yeah, I I think I'm going to say they got better, but only marginally. And I mentioned, you know, the defensive line depth being probably my biggest concern. But there are still studs on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson going to be a star in the league. Um, I think as as a holistic unit, the defense did get better. Um, the offense, you know, on paper looks really good. You've got Amon Ross, St. Brown, Williams, Laporta, Gibbs, Montgomery. That's a lot of fun, I think. A lot of versatility on offense. A lot of players that can do a lot of different things. But like you said, Williams has to get through a suspension. So I mentioned it a little bit ago um, towards the top of the show. But I think this, this team's success is going to hinge on what version of Jared Goff is that quarterback in 2023? Is it a kind of a game manager quarterback who's able to protect the football or will they get the Jared Goff that takes risks and is a little more frivolous with the ball and for like, you know, can your defense hang if he's getting turnovers? So I think your assessment is pretty spot on here. I'm not sure at this point that it's going to take more than nine or 10 win 10 wins to claim the NFC North this year. I think the division as a whole is kind of a toss up. So I think the Lions are absolutely in contention for the division, but I'm not sure that they're going to be the world beater front runners in the NFC like some people were expecting or predicting. So right around 9-10 wins to me feels like somebody could, you know, be the the class of the NFC North. That's super funny that you said that because I have I have been saying kind of since uh before the draft that I thought there is a a, a very realistic world where every single team in the North finishes between seven and 10 wins. Uh, yeah. And and they're all just, you know, fighting each other and, and beating each other down until the last couple weeks of the season. Uh, so the Packers and Lions do square up twice, as always. Uh, the first one is in week four, Detroit at Lambeau Field on Thursday, September 28th. Kickoff 7:15 Lambeau time, and then Week 12 they face off again on another Thursday matchup. I don't know if two teams have ever played two Thursday games against each other That's before in a year. Um, we'll have to check into that. But the Packers, of course, at Detroit, uh, and that is a an 11:30 a.m. kickoff Central uh, on Thursday, November 23rd. So lots of fun there. Uh, please stay tuned. We're we're gonna have the Bears and the Vikings previews coming up the next two weeks and then just getting a little bit more familiar with the rest of the Green Bay Packers 2023 opponents as we slide a little bit closer to camp each and every week. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack of Day Podcast. You can find Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Make sure you check out Pax What She Said, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can get Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week, we'll be back with more off-season coverage and more opponent previews. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.